Hello and welcome to the Joshua Nema Show where you get a shot of truth with your coffee. Now I want to start today commemorating Veterans Day, remembering those who have fought for us, who've put their lives on the line. These are the real heroes. We talk about politicians a lot. We talk about who's president, who's not. But the real heroes in this country are those who are brave enough to put on the uniform and fight for people they'll never meet but to put on that uniform and defend you and I. So thank you. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to those who served, who are serving, and who are really making the difference because it's so wonderful. Now, today we have a lot going on, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking. We're still keeping an eye out for who Governor Newsom's going to appoint to Kamala Harris's Senate seat. We have a few ideas about that and where it should go, but we'll probably touch on that next week. There's so much moving parts going on right now, but with that, I want to get right into the show, and now I'm very pleased that we have my co-host, Anna, here with us. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi, everyone. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. Okay, Anna, what's going on in the news? What's the big thing? Well... Besides Trump not conceding, which we knew, we knew that he wasn't going to concede because that's just the Trump brand. That's just who he is. He fired four different people, including his secretary of defense and three other military related positions. And that's probably an issue. Most likely. Yes. Um, It's a major issue, but I don't think this is where it's going to stop. I have a feeling that he's going to, before it's over, at least fire the FBI director, Christopher Wray, and possibly the CIA director, Gina Haspel, which I'll celebrate that one. The torture lady, we've already gone into that a lot on the program. But um, I think this is a beginning, and I think this is being done deliberately. And my theory, and we're going to see that if it happens, but if I was in Vegas, I'd put my money on it, before mm-hmm. this is all over... Trump is going to order the Attorney General to arrest President Obama and Hillary Clinton. He has no reason to arrest him. There's no justification. But Trump, you know, he's a person who lives with his grievances, and it's all about him. And if he feels he's losing power, he's not going to go down quietly. He's going to finally follow through with his locker-up pledge, and he's going to tweet it out. And when he does, you're going to see everybody freak out. You're going to see people pouring in the streets, and it's going to kick off to a giant problem. Um, What do you think, Anna? Uh, Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge problem. I don't think he's just going to stop. I don't think he's like going to be like, oh, I fired four people. Good day. He's, He's planning something. I'm not very sure exactly what. It just seems... Bad news. But he's making a big mistake if he fires the head of the FBI because that's a 10-year job. And um, that way it's safe from being politically persuadable by any president. But if he fires Christopher Wray, he's only going to be able to put in an acting FBI director for at most two months. But what's going to end up happening 
and it's Trump's worst nightmare, but he seems to attract it to himself, is I have a feeling Biden would put in Adam Schiff, who led the impeachment investigation. He's the head of the Intelligence Committee in the House. And Mm -hmm. my suspicion is he'd put in Adam Schiff as the head of the FBI. And the last thing Trump wants is Schiff to have that kind of power to investigate and to look into these things. Because on January 20th at noon, Trump will officially become a civilian. And so he won't be immune from prosecution anymore. So anything that Adam Schiff finds, which heaven knows there's a lot of things out there, Trump will have handcuffs on and he'll be in jail. And so for his own best interest, he should keep Christopher Ray there because otherwise you get Schiff in that job and Trump will be in, will be in some deep Schiff. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll see what happens with him, though. It's definitely and a if- big situation. And have you heard that uh, Don Jr. and his girlfriend, um, Kimberly Guilfoyle, are looking to take over the RNC and take over that? Okay, so I didn't hear about that, but I can believe it. It The Trump brand are very nep, uh, nepo, nepotism. I can't, pronounce, I can't pronounce the word yet. Nepotism. <laughs> um, kind of brand. So... Anything they have their eyes set on, they'll try to take over. Well, I think... Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I don't think they're going to be successful. I don't think Donald Jr. is going to be successful in taking over uh, the RNC. Because, okay, the Republicans, not the establishment Republicans. When I'm talking about Republicans, I guess in this case, I'm talking about um, people who vote all Republicans, uh, people who voted for Donald Trump, they like Donald Trump because it's Donald Trump. They don't necessarily like his sons or his children. Mm-hmm. They, they're there. They're in it for the Donald. Right. They're not, you know. And so just because Donald Jr. is Donald Trump's son does not mean that that's going to be equivalent in support. And I actually really doubt it would be equivalent because people like Donald Trump because of the way he talks, the way he acts, etc. And yeah. Junior's nowhere. He's Junior's not as talented. Yeah. Whatever you want to say about Trump, and you and I have gone to a Trump rally to see it in action and see what happens. Trump is entertaining. He's a bad guy, but in a sick way, he's entertaining. And, um, there's not a lot of people who can um, compare to that. But why I think that they want to and why they really have to take over the RNC is because they don't want the books to be opened and see where the money's gone and see that millions of dollars of donor money has gone to the Trump hotel, has gone to the Trump family, and all these things. So if they take over it, they're going to be able to keep everything hidden and... Um, hide their uh, misdeeds because I think people are still yet to go to jail over things that have happened and I think that's why it is a necessity for them to take over the RNC so they could cover up their bad deeds yeah I can believe it 
I can't believe that they would do something like that. Um, knowing Trump and all that situation, it's, it's very possible. I don't think there is ethical money going through, um, uh, going to, uh, like, for example, like Trump hotels. There's, there's a chance that, like, they were using campaign money when they're, when they're like, strictly not allowed to. Right. But let's get to the really exciting topic. This will bring some fireworks between you and me. Right now, since Biden won, before the election, everybody in the Democrat Party was playing nice. So you had Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, the squad. Everybody was put aside their differences and were working to get Biden elected because Trump was such a threat to the country. But now that the election's over, Biden's the Gonna, he's the president-elect. Now you're seeing the battle lines being drawn again. And in this last week, we've seen people take shots at AOC, AOC um, taking shots at the moderates. It's getting nasty out there. And I think we have a problem, the Democrat Party, and they have to really figure out, are they going moderate or are they going, in quotation marks, progressive? Because... This is going to get ugly. What's going on, Anna? So, essentially, after Biden won, the progressives are like, okay, we're done playing uh, Biden's great and all this stuff. Now we want actual change. We voted for you, Biden, because we don't like Trump. But that doesn't mean that we like you. And so people are sort of putting pressure on Biden right now to move towards left while you see oh go ahead no go ahead um while you see moderates going oh no biden's great he's 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 perfect etc and so right now there's a um there's sort of like a tug of war between moderates and leftists and progressives on where should we go from here okay and as we just um Let me tell you where I'm coming from. I see that there's a big problem. No matter what you want to say about Donald Trump, he got 70 million votes. He increased votes between 2016 and 2020. He got more votes in this election than last time. And even though he lost, you see that Republicans got governorships, they kept the Senate, they took House seats. This was actually, in a surprising way, a very good year for Republicans. Even here in California, they've taken two to three seats, congressional seats. And so the Republican message, the messenger was horrible. But people like the message, the message of lower taxes, individual freedom. Um, You could argue traditional family values, even though Trump is the farthest thing from that. But the underlying Republican message, I think people like more than what Democrats believe they do. And you could look in Texas along the border. You see that Hispanic Democrat voters, they always vote Democrat in their elections, and 20% of them flipped from Democrat and they voted for Trump in this election And you think that he was screaming about build the wall and he took DACA away and he put kids in cages 
And if any group shouldn't have voted for Trump, it should be Hispanic Democrats in Texas. And yet you had a 20% flip from Democrats to Trump. And when they asked him what was the reason why, they said there were three reasons. They said oil jobs. They said the COVID virus shutting everything down. And they talked about abortion and traditional values. And I think the Democrat Party takes for granted. They feel that everybody holds the views as Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York, where you could be as liberal as you want, you could scream socialism, and you're going to win. But they don't seem to realize Hispanic voters tend to have a very traditional point of view. Black voters tend to have a traditional conservative point of view. And while they might be Democrats, they don't sign on and go for Bernie's message necessarily. And so the Democrat Party is known as being the open party, the party for everybody. And yet in certain ways, it's actually more closed in and hostile because there's no such thing as being able to be a pro-life Democrat. If you want to be an elected office as a Democrat, you have to be out there and be pro-choice. And I'm not going to get into pro-choice or pro-life. I believe in life. But it's impossible in the current Democrat Party to be... Okay. okay. Um, and to be, so what I'm saying, that. just let me wrap this up. It's the <laughs> fact that the Democrat Party, I think, is making a big mistake in why a Republican can win big four years from now who's not crazy like Trump because they take for granted that everybody is a Bernie Sanders liberal, and I don't believe they are, and I think that's why Republicans had such a good year. What are you going to say, Anna? Okay, so I do want to say I think the reason why, for example, um, this was a great year for Republican congressional seats and stuff like that is because a lot of Republicans in general voted. Um, as much as there is progressives that voted for Biden, there was a lot of people that didn't go out and vote, period. And you can see that, for example, in regards to California. Yeah, Biden might have won California, but if you look at the propositions and what passed and what not passed, for example, cash bail, there was a proposition in California for cash bail yes. in regards to getting rid of cash bail. And that's, you know, usually uh, a, a progressive um, like idea, like getting rid of cash bail. Yes. And that did not pass. Um, you see Uber Prop 15, um, that property tax thing, you're right. And that's another point is a lot of these very liberal propositions, they went down while Biden won. And even in California, yeah. that shows that you could only go so far left before people say no. But if you looked at how many people voted, only about half of eligible I, less than half of eligible voters voted in California. Apparently, uh, 12 million voters voted, but the eligible um, people that registered for voted is 22, 22 million, while eligible voters is 25 million. But, in California. but, 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 we had record breaking turnout across the country and in California. More people voted than have ever voted before. I believe it was 145 million. And here in California, I think it was 17 million. But the point is, we can't say that 
it that these things went down because we had about people, 10 million voters. We had like 10 to 12 million voter voting uh, people that voted this election cycle. And while yes, there was definitely um, a turnout, a lot of people who were invested to turn out were were Republicans. And yeah, there were Republicans that voted for Biden, but they also voted for there's potentially Republicans that voted for for uh, Republican congressional seats or Republican uh, Republican propositions. And if you look at the propositions that passed and did not pass is almost split between around 50 50 for each proposition. There was not a significant, like, like 80% of people voted this way. It was like almost split. Yeah. But when you look at just prop 15 alone, which was raising Mm -hmm. property tax, um, they put millions and millions and millions of dollars to get, to convince people to raise property taxes. And that went down in flames. You see the cash bail one. That went down, the affirmative action one. Everything that was on the left's wish list, it went down. You got rid of Trump. And I think that's wonderful. We should celebrate. I mean, we'll have the biggest party in the world. But I think the left is deluding itself if they feel that they won because people loved him. People hated Trump. And let me tell you, and we've discussed this last time, I'm going to say it again. If the Democrats want to succeed, they need to moderate their message and they need a Bill Clinton type candidate because I'm telling you four years from now, if you put a quote unquote normal Republican, if you take Mitt Romney, it can't be him because he's done it too many times, but if you make a Mitt Romney clone and run them against Biden slash Harris, That person's likely to win, not because Biden and Harris are bad, but because the message of the left is, quote unquote, socialism, it's radicalism, and people get scared when you say defund the police. Now, you and I agree, I think, that we need to rein in the police, we need to have checks and balances, we need to watch them, we need to hold them accountable if they shoot someone, I mean, no matter what. Police need to be held accountable and prosecuted when they do bad things. But you're not shutting down police departments. And so when you say defund the police, people look and they think, oh my goodness, when someone's breaking into my house, there's not going to be anybody there to come and take care of us. And so when you have that message, it's horrible messaging. And yet the left is running on these things. And I think it's going to kill them. So you were saying when you put a moderate candidate in and go from there. So when we put a moderate candidate in, you lose electric college votes. It happened with Al Gore. It happened with Clinton. No, no, no. Oh, you mean Hillary. Hillary Clinton, not Bill Clinton. Um, uh, Hillary would have won. There was... Games they were Obama, played. Obama. I don't like his presidency, but during his election cycle, he he seemed more progressive. He was he he want he he ran on ending the war and closing Guantanamo. Yeah, he ran he ran on ending the war, uh, closing Guantanamo, like a bunch of ideas that would be that would have been considered radical to moderates. Right. Uh, so 
and he won by a landslide. There's a reason why Obama won by a landslide compared to Biden, compared to Hillary Clinton, compared to Al Gore. And it's because he promised this idea of change. And, you know, that's probably why a lot of people are attracted to Trump, because they're hoping for change in a system. And that's, Uh again, another reason why the Democrats should be worried. In a year when you had a traditional Democrat and the status quo all around, here came Trump from the outside who said, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get rid of the people who've been there forever. I'm going to make things work for America. And the underlying message that Trump had, not the racist crap, not all this other stuff, but the message that was put out there was basically it's us, the little guy, versus the big establishment. We're going to go there and we're going to make things work for the everyday American. And I'm telling you, if you have a Bill Clinton type, forget this free college Free marijuana, free health care, free all this. I mean, it's very appealing. You're in the teenager, you're early 20s, and someone says, I'll give you free everything. It's wonderful. I agree. But it's not feasible. You have to work within the system to make the change you want. Okay. So I have to disagree with you there because we have have other Western countries that do free college and free health care, and they're fine. They it's are. Just, you, yes. the, the United States is just so in love with their corporations, in love with the insurance companies, that we're not able to move forward. I agree you know, with Democrats, you. Democrats are, um, okay, like, for example, like, with Democrats, um, like, when we look at, like, certain seats that they lost that were congressional seats, yes. they were moderate Democrats that lost. Like, Harley Ruda is not even a actual... Democrat or actual leftist. He's an ex-Republican who yes. became a Democrat because he hated Trump. He lost. You know, moderate Democrats lose because of the fact that you're not going to get the people who are voting for Republicans. You're never going to get them. Okay, but uh, here's the only reason why. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Here's... I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. I'm oh. sorry. Go ahead, Anna. Sorry, I was going to say the only reason why Biden got those votes is because the coronavirus situation was so bad. Otherwise, people wouldn't have voted for Biden. But I agree with you that Trump likely would have got a second term if it wasn't for the coronavirus going this way. And I agree with you that other Western countries have been able to do health care, has been able to do free college. Here's I'm going to give away my secret. I obviously can't run for president now that I give away this secret about how you get this to work and why neither party's ever going to embrace this. It's called cutting it down the middle. You could give people free college. Here's how you do it. You tell people, we'll give you your two years of community college free. We could worry about the four-year college. But in exchange for that, you then do two years of service in whether it's the Peace Corps, whether it's other things, but or say you want to become a teacher. You get free college, free everything to become a teacher. But then you have to go work in inner city schools for a number of years and help the underprivileged children. That, and so everybody has skin in the game. It's not, I'm going to give you free college, and then all of a sudden you're going to go start Facebook or Google. We give you college in exchange for you do a service for the American people. You could do that with health care, too. Absolutely, you could give everybody free health care. If you said, here you go, we're going to let you go to medical school free. 
But in exchange for that, you have to do so many hours a year of pro bono health care. So now um, these doctors say they get that. And for 10 years, they have to do, let's say, 5,000 hours of pro bono health care each year free. And so they do the surgeries. They do regular doctor visits. They do all this. And so the doctors get their training. They go to college. They get all that. And they have to do, and so in exchange, the American people get the health care they need, they get the surgeries, they get the checkups, they get all this, and also the doctors, when they're finished doing the pro bono work, are able to have their careers and make lots of money. And so you constantly have people going through medical school, so you have an unending supply of doctors that are doing the free work, and that's how you do it. It's called the hybrid, and that can work, but guess what? Democrats and Republicans are never going to agree to that message of you doing that. They're never going to agree to the message of you could send someone to college free and in exchange you have them work for the American people, whether it's the Peace Corps or whatever else. And that's how you do it. It's called going up the middle and you get to the end that Bernie wants, but you come at it from another direction. And both parties are so dug into their crap that... This is the American people are suffering. You could have free health care. You could have free college. But it pays for itself by doing it this way. And that's why our system is broken. What do you think, Anna? Um, so in regards to specifically health care, the reason why our health care is so high is it came because of the insurance companies. And when insurance companies came along, they demanded a discount from hospitals and stuff. And so hospitals raise their prices so they can give insurance companies quote unquote discounts to um, um, to offset um, the bills. But the issue is that because some people couldn't afford like insurance, mm-hmm. those prices ended up they ended up getting those quote unquote fake prices, such as you know like a bag of saline would be like in a hospital might be like a hundred bucks or, you know, a band-aid might be 30 bucks. Like these are atrocious prices. that are not like no way considered like legitimate. Right. Um, it's called, it's called the charge master. Um, the hospital is regards to the medical system charge master. And, um, um, but if doctors all I've, of a sudden were putting in pro bono work because they got medical school free, then it would create competition and it would drive prices down. But the issue isn't the fact that we have lack of doctors. I mean, we do, but that's not the No, it's not the lack of doctors. But if you had those doctors getting free medical school, then they have an Mm -hmm. obligation to the American people to do so many hours of pro bono medical work, which would get everybody to be able to go to the doctor, to get the treatments, to get the surgeries, get the stuff they need. So it pays off on the other end. It's not about benefiting the doctors. It's about benefiting the American people and how they could get free health care while, while the doctors keep in business. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying there's a charge factor, and that's the reason why prices for its hospitals up. It's not related to the doctors. It's literally related to um, um, the pharmaceutical industry and um, hospitals themselves in regards to their connection with insurance companies. That's the reason why. Okay, but and what do you think about the recent, free college? How okay, that... so in regards to free college, is that 
I'm saying you don't even need these kind of systems because people aren't, most people when they get college in the United States, they don't leave the United States. Historically, we have um, a brain gain when people when people go to college here. That's why, for example, a lot of international students, when they come here to the United States, they'll end up staying here for mm-hmm. a reason. And, you know, and that's how we have, like, um, like um, more people here is because a lot of people go to college here and then and then they stay here because they like it here. You know, people but the who solution, go to college. No, that's okay, fine. Ahead. That's fine. But all I'm talking about is the solution, how we could give people free college. And yet I it benefits think, us. I th- um it would benefit you it would benefit you without having to put this oh this thing where it's like oh you have to serve this and that like you don't have to put it because people are going to say regardless there's no re- there's I no know, but it pays off it. it pays off them getting the free college by being able to provide a service if i say to you i'm going to give you this in and out hamburger in exchange you're going to come help me for a few hours on something so you're getting hypothetically a free hamburger. I'm getting help moving, and yet we're both benefiting. And so what I'm saying is, why are we giving I mean, someone yeah. a free hamburger when we could give them a free hamburger and they could help us on the other end? Well, like I'm saying, college is not you know it's not for fun. It's game. People are going to college because they need to get a job. That's the reason why you're going to college. You're not going to college just for for the aesthetics. You're going to for at the end to get a job. And that job is most likely in the United States. And because we benefit from people having jobs, taking certain jobs, you know, especially when it comes to educated jobs, we need them. And therefore, um, this idea of like service is like we're not giving college for free, like like as if it's like a game. It's literally in our benefit if we have people educated. It absolutely is in our benefit. But I think the people should be benefited as well. But, you know, in regards to, like, quote-unquote free college, it's it's taxpayers' money. It's not even, it's not necessarily, like, quote-unquote free. It's taxpayers' money. And we could afford, we could afford it, we could afford it if we didn't put so much money into the military, for instance. We could, you know, instead of putting money into Boeing making weapons. I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you, and I'm going to go there in one second. But all I'm telling you is it is the taxpayers' dollars, and so it would be nice if the taxpayers benefited by these teachers when they get out of college. Instead of going and getting the nice job in Beverly Hills or in Malibu or these private schools, if they had to work in South Central L.A., if they had to work in these inner-city schools in San Bernardino in the Inland Empire— and so every kid gets an equal access to a great teacher instead of them going somewhere else. It would be great if doctors were able to treat children and treat people who didn't have the money. And if we did that exchange, and there's all that. And so all I'm saying is, absolutely, let's give it to them. But in exchange, let the American people benefit. And I 100% agree with you about we need to cut um, the military spending, because it's not going to the troops, it's not doing this, it's going to the fat cats, it's going to Boeing, it's going to Northrop Grumman, it's going to these lobbyist pockets, and it's encouraging us to go to more wars, because these people make more money when we're dropping bombs and we're doing this stuff. So you and I 100% agree on foreign policy and ending these stupid wars, 
closing Guantanamo, having a sane foreign policy. But I would guess after this conversation, I haven't won your endorsement for president in 2024. Yet. Um, <laughs> but, okay. Like, I, I get where you're coming from in regards to um, having, for example, people work, for example, like, you know, in, um, in inner cities or, you know, like, because we do need educated people working in inner cities or, you know, public schooling and, like, places that are needed. You know, I understand the sentiment. Um, and I have to look more into it, which is why I can't agree with you there because I don't know this is because there is statistics and um, and polling already done on this idea before. You know what? I actually and, really respect that you said that because so many people, especially in politics, pretend they know everything and talk out of their butt. And for someone to say, I need to look into that more and find the right answer, I think that's so great. And I really have enjoyed our little debate because it shows this, and we're running out of time, that's why I'm cutting it short, but mm -hmm. your ideas are great. I would selfishly argue my ideas are great. I think a lot of Americans want the same goal, but it's the way we get there. And if we could find compromises and we could find ways to work together, we can get to these goals. Because America is a great nation, and not Trump's make America great crap. America is a great nation because the people are great. People, everyday people are good, and they want to do the right thing. They want to work together. They want to help each other. And when we do that, that's what makes America great. It's not the hatred. It's not the rhetoric. It's not, you know, bombing other people. It's about good people going out and making a difference in their neighborhoods and in their sphere of influence. And Anna, I think we're going to have many more debates and I look mm -hmm. forward to it. I like this one. Um, I'll call it a draw and thank you very much. What do you want to say in closing? Um, well, I do want to say that in regards to, I guess the general system, I feel like we need to change and that's why I personally cannot, um, when we were talking about like modest versus progressive, that's why I'm not very um, invested in putting like moderates in again, because mm -hmm. I think moderates enable, you know, why did we get like someone extreme as Trump? Because we had moderates, you know, we had establishment people for so long mm -hmm. and, and people are sort of like attracted to change, whether it's Bernie Sanders change or Donald Trump change. Like this idea of like wanting to be heard, quote unquote. Even though we talked about in regards to does Donald Trump really represent the people? Probably not. But sort of like this illusion, and that's you know the same with like Barack Obama, like or you know, or like before like someone like John F. Kennedy, etc. You know, it's this idea of change and and the new age. And I right. think, and I think staying with moderates is just going to be bad news in regards to that. I believe, I think the problem is labeling also because some people are labeled moderate, some are labeled progressive, and I don't think anybody really knows. There's not a dictionary definition of what's a progressive, what's this or that. I think we oh. all, we need change. And yeah. let's take away labels for whatever. I think what we need is smart people to get in there and work 
and do this to make the change, and whether they're called conservative, moderate, progressive, whatever, the idea is what works for the American people and what's going to put people back to work, what's going to put money in people's pockets, and what's going to give someone self-respect at the end of the day they feel they made a difference. And that's how we do it. And so I agree. But um, I'm not sure that labels are, are – I don't know that we could really agree what the definition is. Yeah. But establishment, I'll give you that. We don't mm-hmm. want establishment. That's not That doesn't work. It hasn't worked in the last 40 years. It's not working now, and that is why Trump won. That is why um, Bernie Sanders had a great showing both times he ran. Is What did these guys have in common? What did Obama have in common in 08? These were people who came in and said, the system isn't working for you. We can have the change we need. We could make everything work for you, the everyday person. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I would agree that it really didn't pan out in the sense that a lot of promises were made that didn't end up happening. But it's the idea that it's the establishment, the power that be against the everyday man and woman. And we need someone in there who's going to fight for the everyday person. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Anna, thank you very much for coming on the program. Um, we're going to have you back. Me. Yeah, oh. for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Josh. Bye, Anna. And it's always great to have Anna on the program. And I think this is the first of many big debates coming. And it's good when you can have an argument, a little family argument, and flesh out your ideas, flesh out what the differences are. Because I think when we do that, we really can come to terms and come to an answer and find the solutions we're looking for. Because it's not that everybody's on vastly different places here. I think we all want very similar outcomes. But it's how we do it, how we approach it, the methods. And so I'm glad we had that discussion. But I want to really look back into Veterans Day again. It's so important. We have to honor our troops, those who have served, those who have been brave enough to be on the front lines and fight for America and fight for Because they're not fighting for, you know, Congress. They're not fighting for whoever a president is at the moment. These are young men and women who are putting their lives on the line for you and for me. They're fighting for us, the American people. And they're willing to fight and they're willing to die because of that. And the Bible says, greater love has no man than this, that they lay down their life for their friend. And that's truly what these soldiers are doing. And while we don't agree necessarily on all the different wars and should we be here, should we be there, um, we need to get out of Afghanistan, Iraq, pull out of a lot of places and come home. But whether you agree with the wars or don't agree with the wars, we all can agree that these service members, these young men and women who put on the uniform and are willing to fight and die for us are truly heroes. And so with that, happy Veterans Day. And I'm going to leave you on the note, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard speaking about Veterans Day. She is a a congressperson, but also a member of the military. She knows the horrors of battle. She knows what these men and women are going through. And so I think the best note we can leave is hearing from her. Until next week, have a great week. Today is a day where our nation recognizes the service and sacrifice of our servicemen and women and our families. To my fellow veterans, I love you and I am so proud and grateful to stand in your ranks across generations. 
to stand amongst those who live by these warrior ethos in service to our country. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. And I will never leave a fallen comrade. Sadly, there are too many of our fellow veterans who are being left behind. Too many who uh, are suffering the consequences of toxic burn pits, who seeking care are turned away because lack of proof that their cancer, their illness is service connected. There are too many who are struggling uh, without roofs over their heads or food to eat and too many who survive combat only to come home and lose that internal battle and take their own lives. Now, too often expressions of gratitude to our veterans is only expressed on Veterans Day, when every day should be Veterans Day with gratitude expressed through action. Every day should be a day where politicians understand that war should always be a last resort. Every day should be a day where they never forget that it is the service members and our families who pay the price for war. So as another Veterans Day goes by, here is my message to all of our elected leaders. The best way to honor our veterans is to stop waging unnecessary wars. The best way to serve our veterans is to work for peace. The best way to care for our war veterans is to stop creating more. And the best way to honor those we've lost is to care for those who have come home.